Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. The panel has assembled topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. Joining us in-house, Alyssa Freeman. PR and pop culture media expert. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, John. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. John Carmichael is the CEO of the Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council, former MP for the Conservatives up in Ottawa. How's Big John? Great, John. Always great to be with you, though. Great to have you here. And Kevin Gaudette was going to be here, but uh, he's had alternative arrangements rear their heads, and so uh, he's in transit. But has joined us on the line, the president of Bright Point Strategy, formerly with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm living the dream, Johnny. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you and Jug meet both. I mean, uh, he's pretty excited to be going into the House of Commons, and uh, he's talked about how it's transformative insofar as, you know, a visible minority leader of a major Canadian party. Is he going to make a difference in the House, though, Kevin? Well, I think he has to, for his sake, uh, and for the sake of the country, he needs to split off some liberal votes. So let's hope so. Given that he's been trying to be a leader from outside of Parliament, his profile, one would hope, could only go up by showing up and having an opportunity in question period to get uh, some questions in and a few punches in on this government. All right, John Carmichael, you were there in the House of Commons. I mean, uh, how important, you know, is a leader to be there? The fact that he was MIA, I mean, that didn't accrue well to the NDP, but uh, so they've had most of their heavy lifting done by Nathan Cullen, as well as Charlie Angus and a few others, but uh, is he going to represent a progressive alternative to Justin Trudeau in a meaningful sense and therefore make Andrew Scheer maybe the beneficiary? I think he has to. Uh, I think he's he's been noticeable in his absence. I think Cullen and and, uh, Charlie Angus have have done... uh, Yeoman's task carrying the load, but I think uh, Jugmeet's going to come in and and take the extreme left. The extreme left. Yes. Okay. Is there still an extreme left attack to? It? No, it he's like... joining the other extreme <laughs> left. <laughs> okay. I was, was going to say because you know, uh, in a sense, uh, I see them. There's a lot of duplication because Jugmeet's anti-pipeline, Justin's anti-pipeline. I mean, this is going to have to be. Uh, kind of a branding exercise, if you will. And Alyssa, that's your beat. I mean, to distinguish himself and really cut through the noise or the clutter, how's he going to do that? Well, first of all, he has to get sharper on his messaging and also his narrative. I find that sometimes he comes out with something to say just to say it, and it's not um, as authoritative as I would like to hear it from him. So I'm hoping that he develops a team around him that can, will be able to coach and feed him those uh, key messages so they come out in a way that a, a member of the, of the opposition can can articulate them. And the other thing that I've also heard, which I find really odd, is that people are calling him the alternative to the alternative. So, you know, here we had Justin Trudeau is supposed to bring sunny ways, so I'm not sure if John Singh is supposed to bring sunnier ways. So he really 
really has to work on differentiating himself, and I think he can do that by becoming more locked down on his narrative and what he really stands for and just not talking to hear the sound of his own voice. All right. You know, on the sunny ways thing, I guess uh, a lot of that is dissipated because uh, the optimism, the promise of government done differently, transparency and accountability, it's all kind of laying in smoldering ruins with this SNC-Lavalin thing the further we dig into it. Now, John, you know how committees work up there in the House of Commons uh, or on Parliament Hill, and we've got this Justice Committee. Tomorrow, we're told, Jody Wilson-Raybould is going to appear before them at 3.15 in the afternoon sharp. And I'm not even clear if Justin's waived the solicitor-client privilege thing just yet. Uh, What are you anticipating she might say? Well, I think she's going to tell the story as she knows it. I think she has to. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that she's free to, to, as she says, speak her truth, because uh, the chaos and the... um, the credibility of our government is at stake here, and I, I, I'm sure she's an extremely bright individual. Uh, she's obviously very capable in the role she's carried on, and uh, my hope is that she'll speak the truth and uh, and tell us just how much interference she had. I think when you look at the chaos and the interference from PMO, Privy Council, all of the things we've heard this week, uh, uh, she's the only bright light that gives us a hope that uh, honesty may prevail. Well, you know, it's interesting because your former colleague, Lisa Raitt, says that uh, her cooperation's nice, but that doesn't change the fundamental concerns over the former, ju- former Justice Minister's resignation. Give a listen. The unanswered question I have is why did she resign? What was it either in what Mr. Lametti said or in what the Prime Minister said that caused her to realize she didn't have the confidence of the Cabinet any longer and she had to remove herself from Cabinet solidarity? Because that's what she did, and that's a big deal. All right, and so Kevin Gadette, I mean this thing as it continues to fester. Now she's going to say her piece or speak her truth tomorrow. Uh, she actually has asked for a 30-minute preamble statement where she gets to just to stand That's up. That's unique. It is. Usually it's, you know, five Unless or it's six. it's full of provisos, but. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, filling 30 minutes, I do that on a daily basis here, but she doesn't get to go to commercial break <laughs> or do any of the other uh, sort of maintenance things. But uh, maybe she will take weather breaks and whatever. But uh, Kevin Goodat, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, Andrew Shear told us last week, Kind of like what Lisa Raitt said, that ship has sailed. No matter what she says, there's a, a bigger story in play here right now. Andrew Shearer has even suggested Justin Trudeau appear before the Justice Committee. Uh, he's not gonna, but I'm just wondering if that's a liability. Should he get in there and speak his truth, or is he actually doing some damage to himself and the party by not speaking to the Justice Committee? Does it matter one way or the other? No, he's a prime minister. He can't. Uh, he can't go to a committee and appear and and be questioned and cross-examined, he'll look guilty just by showing up. And we, we know he probably is of something anyhow. But there's, 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 <laughs> Give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, well, why else would she quit? There, like, there's clearly something that has gone awry here. Uh, hard to predict what the her endgame is, the minister, former ministers. But, you know, I guess we're all just going to sit with rapt attention tomorrow and see what she has to say. It's hard, hard to game out. A 30-minute uh, presentation, one worries you end up with a he said, he said, he said, she said routine. And if she doesn't say anything new, um, then, you know, there's a worry that this could just fizzle out and just add to the fuel of all politicians of all parties are have problems with transparency and accountability issues, and this may just 
jump on that pile. I guess we'll have to wait to see. Well, do you suspect, as many do, that now that Butts is out of the equation, that was the real, uh, you know, knock off uh, the king, and then she's going to ameliorate things here and try to, I guess, assuage the faithful that uh, there's nothing more here to uh, address. I've got no other complaints or things sticking in my craw. Do you think she can do a lot of damage control then? I, I, it's crazy to me that the clerk of the the Privy Council sat there at committee last week and stated that that they actually admitted that they pressured her, and everybody just shrugged. You know, the country. I'm, I, I guess I understand people today and the lives they live. They just shrug their shoulders and go, "Yeah, well, he admitted that they pressured her," which is a very gr- grievous democratic violation of the independence of the judiciary and the role of the attorney general. And they seem, the government seems to think that's okay. So now if she shows up and she throws butts under the bus and even says that, yes, the clerk admits that he pressured me, and, and he's just going to say, so what? Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. I worry that we're coming to the end of the road of, uh, of you know, unless she has something earth-shatteringly new to say, everybody just seems to shrug their shoulders because there is no recourse. There is no action. Hmm. So what's the recourse, though? I think they've got to get the RCMP in there and... And begin an investigation that's going to get to the root of this thing. You've got you've got the clerk of the Privy Council who, if he didn't embarrass himself, he opened up a whole bunch of new avenues uh, admitting to the uh, to the pressure. You've got a, um, a prime minister who admitted who who has spoken with her extensively on three different occasions. I believe it is since September the fourth. You've got a uh, the SNC issue of uh, any court case that's going on, corruption case, et cetera, a former clerk who's the chair of that board now. I mean, I j- you just have, somebody's got to break this whole thing down and take a look at it. You know, Let's take a look at where, well, the, where the transparency uh, really is. Well, and this is it. You know, maybe to Kevin's point, it's over the heads of many Canadians who are too busy or not inclined to understand uh, political interference into the rule of law. And that's really at the nub of it. But they understand Bev Otis, $16 orange uh, bottle of orange juice. Not but, much of an issue today, is it? Well, well not too many layers to peel back, quite yeah. honestly. And that's the point. And I think that the other issue here, John, is that she has a huge credibility issue right now. Because she has stayed silent and she has spoke volumes through her silence. And so she better say something. And I think it's very interesting that she's asked for 30 minutes. So the way I would break that down is that that the first maybe five to 10 minutes is talking about who she is and what she stands for and where she comes from. And then the next little bit will be why she was elected and what she hoped to bring to this party. And then the next part, and it'll only be like a small nugget, but it'll be some sort of revelation as to what really happened. I really think that by, you know, getting rid of Gerald Butts, I think that's the first thing she asked for, uh, quite honestly, and they gave that to her in order to start start to, uh, you know, to um, close in this situation. And then I think what the Liberals are hoping is going to happen in the end is saying, this is what happened. This has been uh, ameliorated because of this, and this is what I hope, how this hope, I hope this wraps up, and that we can all move forward from here. And I honestly think that that is the breakdown of how we're going to see tomorrow. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the 30 minutes speaking uh, where she's really (laughs) not being challenged or anything, it's just go ahead and say your piece or speak your truth. It's almost like a dry run for the long game she may be playing one day seeing herself as leader, indigenous, woman, transformative, all of those ticks in the box. Maybe that's the real end game. Do you see that it that way, Alyssa? Absolutely. This is an uninterrupted platform. 
There will be no commercial breaks. There will be no questions. And she will just have be able to say what she really wants to say. And she will be showing not just all the members of the government, but also all Canadians who choose to listen in exactly what she's made of. And this could be huge for her if she plays it right. All right. Well, we have more questions and a commercial break, so we'll come back in a moment. We'll uh, speak to some of these other issues on the table. Last night's by-elections, three contested across the country. Don't know if we learned much, but uh, it looks like the Prime Minister is also favoring Quebec. Jugmate Singh is also playing to Quebec, so we'll put it to our panel in just a moment if that's uh, smart politics or it's starting to get, it's wearing thin to the rest of the country with Kevin Goodett, Alyssa Freeman, John Carmichael. Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The unanswered question I have is why did she resign? The government uh, worked to demonstrate uh, transparency as well as balancing the fact that there are, uh, there is ongoing litigation. The member uh, from uh, Vancouver Granville will be able to address relevant matters at the committee while ensuring that the two active court cases are not jeopardized. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.